Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Sugar Coated Murder Podcast, a brilliant true crime podcast hosted by two zany sisters, all while baking up delicious treats in their kitchen. Here are your podcast hosts, Karen Devaney and Ann Varner. Are you a person? Then check out Voluntary Input, where we not only have open discussions about tech, TV, movies, and gaming, but also open discussions about people, and sometimes with the people behind the tech. Catch new episodes with me, Leo Allen, bi-weekly on Tuesdays on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Good Pods, and pretty much everywhere else you listen to podcasts. And be sure to check out videos of every episode on YouTube and Twitch. Simply go to voluntaryinput.com to find all the ways you can listen to us, contact us, and better yet, select register as a guest to be a guest on the show because we are always looking for great guests like you. Never forced, never coursed. Welcome to Voluntary Input. Hey, Sugar. Hey, Sugar. How's it going? Welcome to another episode of We Don't Know What the Hell We're Doing, but we're here anyway, and we're just going to do something. Also known as Sugar Coated Murder Podcast. <laughs> For sure. OMJ. Lordy B. Yes. Uh, it's Memorial Day weekend. It's happy Memorial Day weekend, everybody. They will not hear this on Memorial Day weekend, Mm-mm. obvi, Mm-mm. because we're recording now, and it mm. takes us a couple, two, three moments mm-hmm. to get this crap out yeah. the door. But still, we've had, we had Friday off. Yes. Oh, my gosh. We, we have did. Monday off. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Wait. Tomorrow is Monday. Oh, my God. It's already Sunday. It is. I think I slept through Saturday. I think so, too. I did. I did. I went to breakfast with a very, very, I don't want to say she's an old friend because that makes it sound like she's ancient. Right. She ain't ancient. No. Because she's the same age as me, so she cannot be ancient. <laughs> ancient. Ancient. Whatever. But I had not seen her since 1987. Wow. And we talked for probably three hours. That's a lot of catching up. It's a lot of catching up. Yeah. It was wonderful to see her. She's an old college mate. And um, shout out to my friend, Anna. Very good. Yeah. So, and then uh, the rest of the day, I pretty much just couldn't get out of the recliner and slept all day. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I well, just it was gave super, everything I had. It was super hot yesterday. I got up, did my exercise, walk in, and went to the grocery store all before 10 o'clock. Uh-huh. And then I came home and put on a, a little cool sundress and sat in the house for the rest of the day until the dog had to go out again. Yeah, it was um, super hot, super humored. Hot. Humor. humor, not humor, but humid. We we humid. have had a Bloody Mary. We had a happy hour with some people. We had a we happy hour with this group, this podcasting group that we are in, and we have dubbed ourselves the Brain Trust. And um, some of us are like the smartest people in the world, uh, evidently, but not us. We are not the smartest people in the world. I disagree. Okay, well, we have a certain intelligence that other people don't have. Exactly. I just don't know how to label it. Right. <laughs> But to me, you have to have the whole package. You can't just be good at one thing. I agree. And I think everybody in that group brings some type of a different yes. 
talent or skill to the table. I but think it's that's all what makes like us Wonder Twin Powers activate when we get together. So Lots of much smart fun. It's a lot of smart smarter smarter. Yeah, we had some drinks. So we had Bloody Marys and that's <laughs> the whole point of that story. And that's what we brought to the table. <laughs> so uh it's your day to cook, which it's I always day. love because I um I love it when you bake. Oh, that's so sweet. I really do. I love oh, it. That's sweet. I, know. I am. You helped. Actually, you sent me this recipe. Damn right I did. And suggested that I make it. And I'm doing it. And you're doing it. I guess you must follow these people on Twitter, maybe. I follow so many food groups on Twitter. It's not funny. <laughs> it's called... Not o- Twitter. Insta. Insta. This is from OMGChocolateDesserts.com. Oh, my goodness. This is a strawberry shortcake cupcake. It's just... It I love it. so good. It looked... I mean, because we've really been enjoying the, stru- the stress... This no, the local strawberries. Yes, <laughs> we have. And this this was the last picking of the strawberries. Yeah. The strawberries are gone now and the peaches are out, which I love. Which disgusts me. And I won't be able to make any peach treats because... No, they're not allowed on this podcast. You'll have to go not. to a different podcast. Exactly. I might try to sneak one in maybe. There is a no peach zone no here. Peach zone. The strawberry shortcake cupcakes. I, there are several things I really like about this recipe. Number one, it only makes 12 cupcakes. So I if you want more than 12, batch. then... You're going to double it. It doesn't have a lot of ingredients, and it's more or less just a dump, 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 add your flour, and put it in the oven. I love that. The cupcakes really are maybe a little denser, not as fluffy as a regular cupcake, but that's okay because once they come out and cool, you're going to cut a hole in it and stuff a strawberry down in it. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) That's so fun. And then you're going to top it with homemade whipped cream that's got killer vanilla in it of course as well as tiny little pieces of fresh strawberry i love that yes super yummy yes. cannot wait to jam that right in my pie hole. i can't either so <laughs> the cupcakes are cooking and while they're in the oven cooking i thought maybe you could tell a story whilst, of a murder whilst they're cooking i'll do a murder oh let me tell you one more thing uh, i really love about these cupcakes okay. before we move yeah, on yeah you have to keep them in the refrigerator which i know is kind of a pain for some people but i love a cold cake i know you do you've always loved I just a cold have cake always yeah i don't know where that comes from i don't either but i really enjoy a cold cake yes you do so if you make me a birthday cake stick it in the fridge and then serve it to me you make me happy yes so happy <laughs> very happy okay move on Moving on. Now it's on. you. Okay, so I have a murder. Okay. I'm going to talk about this murder. I'm going I'm to tell you this murder is in Springfield, Missouri. Oh, Missouri. I'm in Missouri at this time. Mm-hmm. I think it's been a while since I've been in Missouri. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about a dude named Mark Allen. I think his last name is Stout. That's how I'm going to pronounce it. Okay. S-T-A-U-D-T-E. Oh, Stout. Stoud or Stout or Stawd? Yeah, Stout. just call him Mike. I, well, his name is Mark, so I'm going to prefer to call him Mark. <laughs> I will. I will shan't call him Mike because that's not his name. Dang it! So, in April of 2012, Mark is 61 years old. Oh, and he passed away in his home. Oh. He was married to Diane, and together they had four children: one son with special needs and three daughters. He was the son of Henry and Dorothy the brother of three siblings. Mm -hmm. He was a stay-at-home dad by day and was a blues band member by night. Oh, he liked the blues. He liked them blues. He was very popular around town and within the local musician musician community. His band's name was called Messing with Destiny. That's pretty cool. That's a jazzy, kind of a jazzy name. Jazzy. Jazzy. Messing with Destiny. It's really great if you can pronounce all the words at once. (laughs) 
On that Sunday afternoon in April, Diane and her kids returned home from church to find Mark unresponsive in his bed. She told authorities that Mark had been suffering from flu-like symptoms that Easter weekend. And that's why she left him in the bed while she went to fulfill her duties as the organist at church. Okay. There was no sign of foul play noted anywhere. No forced entry, no struggle, just Mark dead in the bed. Mm. His death, of course, is ruled. Dum, dum, dum. Natural causes. Natural causes due to flu. Like due to flu. Due to <laughs> due to flu. Yeah. The only note that the the only note of interest that the coroner made was that he did cite there was this ring of blood around the outside of Mark's mouth. Mm. But Mark was not exactly known as leading a very healthy lifestyle. And because of his flu-like symptoms, they just kind of put two and two together. And they said it was natural causes. So the family and friends laid Mark to rest and tried to carry on life without him. Diane and her kids try to move on. There's a tiny bit of life insurance, like $20,000. Teeny tiny bit of life insurance that Mark had left behind. And Diane is able to get she and her kids a bigger house. Because all of her kids are at home. Okay. So her son, Sean, will always need to be at home with her. He's the one with special needs. Special needs. Autism and a seizure disorder. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And nine-year-old Brianna had a long, long time before she was going to be leaving the nest. Yeah. And then she has two other daughters, Sarah and Rachel, both in their early 20s, but they were still at home. Okay. So she just needed a bigger place. So that was in April of 2012. In September of 2012, tragedy strikes again. Uh-oh. Sean, who's the disabled son, 26 years old, suddenly just dies. Aw. And also from flu-like symptoms. Uh-oh, no. Friends and family are shocked that another tragedy has struck the Stott family. Diane, she's got so much on her plate with all of her kids at home, and she's the only provider and the sole caregiver wow she's got a lot going on well i mean for a nine-year-old really because the 20-year-old girls can take care of themselves right but it's the The 26-year-old autism special needs kid and it it turns out that her daughter her nine-year-old daughter also has some learning disabilities Mm -hmm. so she does have a lot i mean she's got a lot going on she works full-time as a nurse right right and she's got these kids so mark's bandmates in, in her church rally around diane as she faces this unspeakable tragedy five months after losing her husband wow this time though there's no memorial service sean is quietly and unceremoniously cremated and that's it oh that's sad his death is ruled as being natural causes due to his seizure disorder and the coroner did note that there was the presence of a slight ring of blood around sean's mouth uh-oh. Life did seem to calm down for Diane and her now three daughters. She continued working as a nurse, playing the organ at church. Her daughter, Rachel, also played music at church. She was a, I think you call it a flautist. Oh, right. She played the flute. She played the flute. They bonded over their church music, and Rachel was clearly Diane's favorite daughter. She was the least needy of all of them, mm-hmm. is what is what Diane would say. And she made things, that made things easier on Diane. The youngest daughter, like I said, Brianna was having difficulties with some learning disabilities. And then Sarah had graduated from college, but had moved back home. She couldn't find a job. Oh, no. And she had all this mounting school debt. Things kind of start, you know, they go back to normal again. And then June of 2013, Sarah falls gravely ill. I hope she didn't have the flu. She's rushed to the hospital by Diane, who said Sarah had been suffering from flu-like symptoms. Oh, no. 
Sarah was in organ failure and on the verge of death. As her 24-year-old daughter lay lying in the hospital, Diane seems fine. Oh, no. Jovial. Oh, no. She even makes a joke to the nurses about how her almost dead daughter was not going to keep her from her much-needed vacation in Florida. Lord have mercy, Diane. Yeah, Diane. Hold yourself together, honey. And then local police receive an anonymous tip. (laughs) You think? Saying that Diane might have had a hand in her husband's and her son's death, and maybe Sarah was not so sick from the flu. Oh, wow. So that tipster actually turned out to be Diane's pastor. Oh, no. (laughs) He had been friends with Mark and said Mark had not been having any health problems before he died. Oh, no flu. No flu. Then Diane's lack of remorse caught him off guard. Right. And then when Sean died suddenly, and Diane had not even informed all of Mark's side of the family that Sean had passed away. Oh, my gosh. Much less had done any memorial service for him whatsoever in the church where she played the organ and was so active. Wow. He was just like, this is an odd combination of activities then he heard about sarah becoming very ill and in the hospital and he said i I felt like i needed to make a phone call right police immediately arrest diane and they get a search warrant for her house so they take diane down to the station and they're interrogating him her i mean her not him diana not diana (laughs) diane Could you just clean this up in the editing process, please? Okay, thank you. Make me sound really intelligent. Okay. Like the most intelligent person. Of course. Okay. (laughs) So they begin to interrogate her, and she nonchalantly says, yeah, I screwed up. I knew Sean and Sarah were drinking antifreeze. Oh, no, they were just drinking it. They were drinking it. Just for fun. And the investigator says to her, Diane, you know this because you were giving it to them. Oh, right. So they also bring Rachel down and question Rachel. Like, what's up with your mama? Right. And she's like, I don't know what you mean. What? Right. Meantime. Meantime. (laughs) There's a search warrant, like I said, of Diane's house. And they go in and they find a diary. A diary? A diary. Not a dowry, but a Not a dowry. No, not a dowry. A diary. And this diary happens to be Rachel's. Oh. So they start leafing through it. Yeah. Two months before Mark had died, the dad, Rachel had wrote how he was going to die soon and then Sean. It would be hard to get through it first, but it would get, it would be okay and and life would get better. Oh dear. Right. Meantime, (laughs) back at the station, Diane tells investigators how her kids are such a pain. Sean and Sarah were always trashing the house. She could not keep up with cleaning up after them. And Sarah had all this so debt. antifreeze is the answer. <laughs> Sarah had all this mounting debt, no job. And sometimes you just get sick of doing everything for your kids. Okay. You just get sick of so it. So antifreeze is the answer. But Rachel, not a burden. <laughs> Apple of her eye. They also go back to Rachel's diary. Right. Or I don't know if it was in the diary or if it was in Rachel's room. There was a poem. Mm-hmm. A poem. <laughs> and that poem made reference to this line that says, soon only the quiet ones will be left. Oh, my. They asked Diane about her marriage. And she was like, well, it really wasn't all that great. I mean, Mark was never full-time employed. He was a band member. And he did odd jobs, like, for the band. But he never brought in full-time income. But he took care of the children. I'm just saying. She's saying that was all the financial burden fell to her. Okay. And she just, I mean, sometimes you just get sick of it. Okay. And she said, 
And honestly, if I had asked him to leave, he probably would have killed himself. <laughs> so they were like, okay, all right. We're, we're hearing you, Diane. We're hearing what you're saying. Back in Rachel's <laughs> diary, she talked about her mo- how her mom had convinced her that they needed to murder Mark, her dad. Right. Mark. Like, we, we need to murder your dad. We got to do it. Oh, really? Talk to me, Mama. Okay, so they had searched the internet and had ordered tasteless antifreeze because I guess now over the, like, off-the-shelf antifreeze has a bitter agent added into it so you know, so people can't poison each other with right. the antifreeze anymore. Yeah. Well, who the like, heck's out there selling the tasteless antifreeze? I think that they need to get shut down. Exactly. Shut it down. Maybe it's on the... The dark web. Maybe it's on the dark web. I don't know because I don't know how to get on the dark web, nor do I want to. Please do not anybody contact me about the dark web. No. This is a dark web free zone. (laughs) So anyway, she talked about how they would spike Mark's energy drinks that he drank all the time with it. And she also wrote about how she did not want Sean killed. She didn't want her brother killed. She tried to convince her mom to just put him in a home. But Diane said she wasn't going to pay for that either. It was too much money. And so she agreed to help her mom then spike his Cokes, his soda. He had favorite soda that they would fix for him. And they started putting antifreeze in it. That's just so mean. It's so mean. Also, she didn't want to kill her sister, Sarah. She didn't want to kill her. Oh. She said, Mom, just kick her out. Right. Just kick her out. If she's just like on your nerves and she doesn't have a job. Just kick her out. Right. It'll all work out. And her mom said, no. If I kick her out, I still got to help her. Oh, God. So she was like, we have to kill her. So she's like, okay, that's fine. We'll just kill her. So the police arrest Rachel as well. He then tells them Brianna would be next because of her learning disabilities. Oh. Yeah, they just hadn't gotten to her yet. The nine-year-old? The nine-year-old. Lord have Because mercy. of her disability, learning disabilities. And she also told them the reason that they took Sarah to the hospital was because the house gets so nasty after someone dies in it. Uh, oh, no. So the first time when Mark died, she got a new house. Oh, gotcha. Right? But when Sean died, she didn't get a new house. And then Rachel moved into Sean's room, and she said, it's just so unsettling. Right. It's so unsettling. And and the house smells for a long time after a person dies. Oh, in no. It's like, what? Yeah. So that's why they decided that they waited to a certain point and were sure that Sarah was going to die but then took her to the hospital so she would just die at the hospital. It was easier to clean up. Oh, my God. I know. She's, what a great mom. <laughs> great mom. She also said that the only reason the other ones were being killed is because they were just such burdens on the mom. They're just burdens. And right. we just, we started, the way that we figured out who would go first is who was the biggest burden. Okay. And so dad, dad was the biggest burden because he didn't have a job. Oh. So it was a mouth to feed, no income. Right. And then Sean was the next biggest burden because he had disabilities. I mean, damn him. <laughs> and for being born with disabilities. My gosh. And he wasn't pulling any income in. So that was another mouth to feed. So they got rid of him. Even though Sarah had potential to, to, to get a job, she didn't have a job. And she so had a lot of debt. she had to go because right. she had... She had student loan debt. Right. Eventually, Rachel agrees to testify against her mom in a plea deal. Mm. She ends up getting two life sentences plus 20 years Mm -hmm. consecutive. Okay. Okay. So that means that she's eligible for parole after 42 and a half years. She's got to serve 42 and a half years. Okay. And she's in her 20s. Right, right. So um, she can still get out. Yeah, in her 60s. That's Mm -hmm. no big deal. So she actually was charged with two counts of murder and one count of assault. Okay. Diane. Oh, is that because Sarah didn't die? Please hold. 
Oh, stop. Diane takes the Alford plea. Of course. Which means... There's enough evidence to convict, but I didn't but, do it. But I'm not I'm not saying that I'm guilty, but right. I'm, I'm seeing that you got some tricks up your sleeve. Right. That I, might, I, I don't want to listen to them in court. <laughs> so... So she actually gets life without parole. So here's the thing. Rachel had struck this deal and then never had to plea against her mom. She never had to testify against her mom. But But does she still get the deal? She still got the deal. Okay. And she, I mean, that's fine. She's in there for a long time. 42 and a half years. Sarah Mm. survived. I'm so glad. Barely survived. She had permanent organ and neurological damage. She had to relearn how to walk and talk. And she will need assisted living for the rest of her life. My gosh. And that child got up on the stand at the trial. At Rachel's trial? At Rachel's trial. Uh-huh. And at the impact statements for her mom. Oh. And forgave them. Oh, man. Forgave them. She's a Christian. She's a good girl. But Brianna, the nine-year-old, mm-hmm. she was the only one that had not been poisoned. Right. She was taken into foster care. And then eventually she was adopted and they changed her name. And, and she, she went into the system as somebody not Brianna right. Stout. So that's my murder. Wow. Quick, it's a quick one. It's a quickie. It but I got to tell you, it was quite disturbing because this mother just, I mean, she's so sick of her kids. She just starts feeding them antifreeze. For heaven's sake. And they just, you know, they don't like, I don't know. I mean, in your head, I had this conversation with somebody the other day. In your head, you think about a murderer and you think about this monstrous person. Mm-hmm. She just is this mousy little church lady looking person. And so's her daughter. Like, they just look very plain, very normal, whatever normal looks like, very average. I mean, I guess she wasn't picking up what Jesus was laying down at church. She was not. <laughs> and she had been playing the organ in that church for like 30 years. I mean, I guess All she didn't life. get anything out of any of the hymns. I think she, she didn't no, listen to the sermon, She was not. She was only playing the music. She was not there for the message. Okay. She's just there for the music. Just here for the music. She's there for the, and it was her music. I don't even think she listened to anybody else's music. Oh, my. I mean, she just was there to perform. Right. She was not, she's not a Christian girl. Oh my goodness. And then she manipulated her, I'm going to say her dumb daughter, Rachel. Oh yeah. You know, into thinking that this was the only way. I'm starting to wonder if maybe Rachel didn't have some mental deficits as well. Well, here's the crazy thing. In the interview, both of them claimed that they may have been poisoned too. You're not, they're not sure. Oh, for heaven's sake. Before they confess. They're like, who knows? Maybe I'm poisoned too. (laughs) Really? Because you're upright and talking. Right. All the other people are not upright exactly. or talking. Exactly. <laughs> my gosh. But yeah, so that is my story. It was um, R.I.P. R.I.P. That's she, crazy. She killed two and a half people. That's insane. Yeah. All with antifreeze. Antifreeze, not the answer. No. Antifreeze no. is not the answer. No. Jesus is the answer. Yes. So I don't know. She got, I don't know. Did something happen and somebody in church talked about antifreeze and then she got her message crossed? That's crazy, sugar. That is crazy. It was a crazy story. Well, and, while you uh, were doing your murder, my muffins came out. I mean, my cupcakes your came muffins. out. I know. Uh, they smell good. They uh, smell so good. And I cannot wait to stuff one in my mouth. Not yet. I still got to make that whipped cream. Oh. Um, oh. I cut the hole and put the strawberries down in them. All right. We're going to take a little break and I'm going to make that whipped cream. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. So okay. here we go. Goodbye. Right. Goodbye. All right. We're back. Oh, my gosh. I cannot wait for this whipped cream to go into my mouth hole. I know. The whipped cream is on the cupcakes, and they're in the refrigerator. They're gorgeous. 
They're gorgeous. They're gorgeous. They're absolutely gorgeous. Thank you. I mean, it just is summertime. It's like a handful of summertime. 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 <laughs> I love it. So do you got a moita? I do. I have a murder. And this one happened in Norcross, Georgia. Norcross. Norcross, Georgia. Huh. 20-year-old Danielle Jennings was a loving single mother with a personality that could be described as both a ray of sunshine and a hurricane. All right, all right. She was a I've real southern, like that. She was a real southern spitfire. Oh, nice. Growing up, Danielle was never short on friends. She had her son when she was just 17 years old, and her relationship with her son's father didn't work out. But in December of 1998, she actually got engaged to the love of her life, Luis. Luis. She had gotten a great job with a landscaping company, and she was happy and looking forward to getting married and starting a family with her fiancé. Her fiancé. On March 15, 1999, Danielle was scheduled to have a meeting at work about a fellow employee who was sexually harassing her. Oh, no. She was nervous about the appointment, but she did make plans with Luis to have lunch before the meeting. Oh, good. Unfortunately... Luis had gotten tied up at work and had to cancel their lunch plans. Uh-uh. So Daniel decided she'd just run home to her apartment for lunch. It wasn't too far, and she'd run home, have lunch, come back. As the day progressed, Luis tried several times to reach Daniel, but she didn't answer her phone. He called her office and found out that she never came back to the office after lunch. Oh, no. Her supervisor had also tried to reach Danielle. She was really worried when Danielle didn't show up for that meeting. Oh, gosh. Louise leaves work and heads to the apartment to see if Danielle's there. She hadn't been feeling well the day before, so he was really worried about her. And it was out of character for her to not call and, you know, sure. say, in touch. I'm, I've decided not to go to work or whatever. Just after 5 p.m., Louise placed a 911 call. He had come home to find Danielle on the bed, cold to touch and purple in the face with something tied around her neck. Oh. No. Danielle was dead. Within minutes, police arrive at the apartment where they lived. They find Dan- Danielle laying on the bed, fully clothed, shoes on, with a light-colored thigh-high stocking wrapped around her neck. What the heck? She had obviously been strangled to death. Yeah. Police secure the scene and start looking for evidence that will help them figure out who killed Danielle. As police start looking around the apartment, they see that there was no forced entry into the apartment by the front door. Mm -hmm. The sliding glass door is locked and undisturbed. The windows are all locked and undisturbed. Police then think maybe that Danielle could have let her killer into the apartment. They continue looking around. Everything appears to be in order. It doesn't appear to have been a robbery. Danielle's purse is on the floor with the contents laying around it, but there's nothing missing. There's, There's cash in her purse. So maybe it wasn't a burglary after Uh all. Other than the ligature around Danielle's neck, there appears to be no other physical evidence to gather. Police take Danielle's fiancé, Luis, down to the station to ask him some questions and get his statement. He tells them that he had been at work all day and they verify he is, in fact, telling the truth. He had even left a message for her around 2.30 on their answering machine at home, which they took into evidence. And they could verify that he was at work. They ask if he could think of anyone that might want to hurt Danielle. And he says, you know, maybe you need to check on her son's father. He oh. he doesn't like Louise and he 
was not happy that Danielle had moved on. Oh. Police go and track him down and find out he's in jail. And he had been in jail. Danielle was murdered. Her family then points them in the direction of a, for- of a former boyfriend that Danielle had to get a restraining order against. Oh. This guy is a tow truck driver. A tow a t- tow truck. A tow not touch. a tow truck, <laughs> but a tow truck. <laughs> he tucks his toes he tucks when he drives. <laughs> he's a tow tucker. <laughs> Tow truck driver. <laughs> oh, golly. He's a tow truck driver. <laughs> and he's bad news for sure. Bad he's news. been He had been very, very possessive. He's of a Daniel. bad news tow tucker. A tow tucker <laughs> is bad news. He lies to police and tells them that he has not been in touch with Danielle for over a year. But the truth is he had been calling her a few months back and he would call and she would hang up and it and it bothered her. Well, yeah. Police dig a little deeper into his alibi and figured out that he had been out of state the day Danielle was murdered. Mm. So police are now out of ideas. They they don't have any sus- suspects. Suspects? <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> they have no suspects, and there's no evidence to process. No fingerprints, no Damn. fibers, no hairs, nothing like that at the scene. Just this... Just a nylon. Nylon stocking. (laughs) Nylon. Which, by the way, is not something that she wore. So it wasn't wasn't hers. It had to have come from somewhere. Oh. Oh. Yeah. The news of Danielle's murder had been in the papers, and it was on the news, thank goodness, because as words start to spread about the murder, some of her neighbors came forward and reported to police that for months before Danielle was murdered, the residents had been burglarized. Mm-hmm. Some reported that they had checks stolen, cash stolen, jewelry oh. stolen, guns stolen, what and the that they had heck? reported all of these incidents to their apartment complex. Mm-hmm. The apartment complex had come in and taken their statement, but evidently had never gone to the police about it. Oh, that's not nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then somebody reported that she had been homesick one day. There was a knock at the door. And before she could go answer it, somebody let themselves into her apartment. And she said, who are you? What are you doing here? And he said, oh, I'm maintenance here to change the light bulbs. Oh, I don't like this. And she said, well, I'm not feeling well. You can't do that right now. And made him leave. Police get a description of this maintenance man. And they head over to the apartment complex to see if they can figure out who he is. Mm -hmm. The apartment complex manager looks at the description and tells the police the man in question is Calvin Oliver. A maintenance man on the property. Police pick up Calvin and take him in for questioning. They got a search warrant. and They, they wanted, quickly got a quickly, search warrant. Quickly, they got a search warrant. And they searched his apartment. But not quickly. Because they were thorough, I'm thorough, sure. yes. And Calvin happened to live in the apartment complex. Yeah. So he was um, an on-site. He was an on-site maintenance guy. Okay. Police search Calvin's apartment and they find some of those blank checks that had been reported Uh-oh, stolen. Oh, Calvin. And they arrest him and charge him with bur- burglary. But unfortunately, they didn't find anything in his apartment that would tie him to Danielle's murder. No nylon? There wasn't a matching nylon or anything in there. I really thought they were going to find a nylon. I know. I thought so too. But... There was no nylon. There was nothing. Something that I thought was kind of odd is that this apartment complex thing, that the staff had not reported it and nobody had reported it to the police. I, I thought that was a bit off. Well, as a renter, I would call the police and then I would call the, the yeah. staff. Like I would report it myself to the police and yes. then let the staff know, hey, I've had a break in and I've reported to the police and, and you might want to let other people know to be on the lookout. Yeah. I wouldn't leave it up to the apartment complex to do my reporting. Mm-hmm. 
for me. So let this be a lesson. Yeah. Don't don't let somebody else do your reporting for you. That's right. Anyway, the police keep looking into Calvin Oliver. They are shocked when they pull up his profile, his police record, and see his criminal history. Calvin had been to prison for both rape and burglary. 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 And when they asked the apartment manager if they had done a background check, the response was a shocking no. no. Another staff member had referred Calvin, so they never did a background check. That's irresponsible. It was the leasing manager, as a matter of fact. Well. And they decided not to do the background check. A decision that cost Danielle her life. Vivacious, spunky, beautiful, loving, single mother Danielle Southern her life. Fire. That's right. As the investigation into Calvin continues, Danielle's family begins their preparations for her funeral. And when Danielle's mother gets her jewelry back from the funeral home, she looks at it and she asks the funeral director, where's Danielle's engagement ring? And the funeral director said there there was no ring. There was no diamond ring in with Uh any of her possessions. Calvin. So then Louise calls the detective in charge of the case and says, hey, we didn't get Danielle's engagement ring back. Can you check and see if it's in evidence and maybe will they release it to us? Right. So the detective's like, well, let me think about that for a minute. He goes and he looks at the crime scene photos of Danielle. He goes and looks at the evidence locker of what what all they've got. There is no engagement ring. There was no engagement ring on her finger. And Louise said she had it on that day. Right. When we left for work, that ring was on her finger. Sure. So then it all kind of starts clicking together for the police. And they go and they get another search warrant for Calvin's apartment. And he's in jail, so. Yeah. It's not like he would have gone back or whatever. No. The detective who searched Calvin's apartment remembers seeing a ring on his dresser, but didn't think anything of it because he didn't know Danielle was missing uh, yeah. her ring. Okay. He looks at the photos they took at, of Calvin's dresser, and there is Danielle's engagement ring sitting right there on the dresser. They go get another search warrant, go back into Calvin's apartment, and recover the ring. Now they've got what they need yeah, to charge now it ties Calvin to, to murder. Right, to murder. No, they're not charging him to murder, but they're charging they're him with, with murder. murder. Yes. They're tying him to her murder. That's what happened. Wow, there's just a lot of prepositions floating around freely right now, and it's all fine. <laughs> I'm just going to keep grabbing them yeah, and throwing just, them in. Just, <laughs> it's like they're they're coming down like dust bunnies off of a ceiling. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> As a maintenance worker at the apartment complex, Calvin Oliver, the burglar and rapist, had a master key to every unit in the complex. For months, he had been going in and out of apartments and stealing items. The apartment complex knew about the burglaries, but never warned the residents of the complex what was happening. How about take your key back, you nimrods? On the day Danielle came home for lunch, police believe Calvin was already in her apartment. Yeah. From the condition of Danielle's body, they believe he ambushed her from behind, and she never even had a chance to fight for her life. He strangled her with the nylon ligature, removed her engagement ring, and walked out the door. Yeah. And what's he going to do with that ring? Right. Put it on his dresser. That's it. No, he was going to pawn it. He had pawned some of the other stuff. They found some pawn tickets. He's just a gross guy. He is. Calvin Oliver was found guilty at the trial and sentenced to life in prison with an additional 10 years for the burglary of her engagement ring. After the trial, Danielle's mother filed a lawsuit against the company that owned the apartment complex where Danielle and her son lived and won 
a little over $13 million. Whoa. She also fought for and won the right to raise her grandson. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because the dad the, was in jail and maybe not yeah. a good character. And she worked very closely with a victim's advocate group to get the word out to people about having workers in your home or your apartment. This group is called the Sue Weaver Cause. Oh. Sue Weaver hired a company to clean air decks in her home. Neither of the workers had had background checks done on them by their employer. Six months after the ducks had been cleaned, one of the men returned to Sue's home, raped and murdered her. Sue had no idea that both of the men that had been sent to her home had a history of criminal activity. If you live in an apartment and a maintenance worker knocks on your door without prior notice or without you calling for service, do not let them in. No, don't do it. It's okay to ask your apartment management staff if they do background checks on employees. I'll be calling tomorrow. If you live alone and you need maintenance done on your apartment or in your home, ask a family member or a friend to come hang out with you while they're there. I'm here for you, sugar. The same thing goes for anybody that's getting service in their home. You don't have to tell workers that your spouse is out of town. Just keep it all professional. You don't have to chit-chat with them. No. They don't need to know where you, you work. They don't you need to know anything. You should not chit-chat. I'm sorry, but they're there to do business. Let them do what they need to do and go. I mean, you just you just can't put yourself on the street. You can't. I highly recommend that you go in and check out SueWeaverCause.org site for more okay. information on how to donate, because they'll take donations, and ways to protect yourself. I'll, I'll put that in our show notes. So... Um, just a little end note for the end of the story, by the way, a background check on Calvin Oliver would have shown that he had been convicted of rape, armed robbery, robbery, robbery by force, larceny, credit card theft, and at least three residential burglaries. Perhaps a carte blanche key to every apartment in the residence area where he lived was not the greatest idea. He should not have been hired. No, he shouldn't have. He had spent the most of his adult life in prison. The leasing manager at the apartment complex knew that Calvin had been in prison and decided not to do a background check. The complex manager agreed and let them hire him without that background check. That management staff was a hot mess. We'll put a link in the show notes for that, for the case, because it's really interesting to read the case against the apartment complex. Yeah, definitely. And I'm just saying they really flubbed it up. Oh, they... They flubbed it. I'm not even touched. It it didn't even just the background check. It's the not putting up any flyers or any kind of notice to anybody. You think about where we live in the area that we live. There are, what, maybe 15, 12 to 15 buildings on the property. Mm -hmm. We have no idea what's going on in other areas. We know when something happens in our area, but we don't know what's happening at the other end of the complex. We wouldn't know if there was a rash of break-ins, robberies, rapes, or whatever, unless the staff notified the community. You're right. And they need to do that. Yes, they do. It's Common courtesy. It's Common courtesy. Safety. And it's safety. And it's and it's a sense of community. A sense of community. That's exactly right. Yeah. And for homes, I mean, you, anytime you call to have somebody come into your home, you need to find out whether or not that company does background does checks. Does background checks. And if they don't, don't then use don't, that company. Don't use them. It's your right to not use them. Yeah. This yeah. could have been prevented. This was a senseless murder 
Absolutely. A senseless murder of a 20-year-old. And they, they knew burglaries were happening. They knew it had to be somebody on their staff because they were not forced entries. They, and they knew this guy had been to prison. Why not put two and two together? And not only that, but if you work in the leasing industry, it's common knowledge that your maintenance workers don't just go around with master keys to the whole property. No, they have to check them out. They have to check the keys out and then check them back in. I think that has has changed over the years. I think there was a time where you had an on-site guy that just had the key to all the apartments, but I think that's changed. And that was probably the the way it was in the 70s, but that's not Mm -hmm. the way it was in the 90s. No, it should not be. And he shouldn't have had that, but nobody ever checked his key ring. No. He had made copies of those. He had got taken the master key and nobody was was keeping track of any of it. That that staff, all of them were negligent. Yeah. They were all negligent. Negligent. It's just the whole I mean, go if you're interested in it, go and read the details of the case against the, the complex owners because yeah. it just will make your skin crawl. Ugh. Maybe now we just need to have some sort of a cupcake. I think we need to finish this up with a cupcake. Yeah. I'll uh let me just take care of getting that. You do that because I'm I'm wired in. Well, I'm doing that. Do you want to talk about I'm not wired in? I'm more wired in than you. <laughs> I am. Yes. It's it's a fact. It's a known fact. It's a known fact. It's okay. a known fact. I'm the more. You're the winner. <laughs> hey, while I'm getting the cupcake together, do you want to tell people about social media? Yeah, damn tootin' I do. All right. What do you want to tell them? Well, we have social media. That's what I'm telling them. The end. <laughs> so y'all can find us on Twitter. Twitter. Twitter at Sugar Murder. And we just reached our 1,000th follower on Twitter. Woohoo! I know. Look at us go. We're amazing. We love ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) We're so impressed with ourselves. And also on Instagram, we are at Sugar Coated Murder on Instagram. And we have Facebook. We have a Facebook Regular page that's just sugar-coated murder podcast. And then we have a fan page, sugar-coated murder font five five. (laughs) I knew I knew I had just like outlived my expiration date on that one. Sugar-coated murder podcast fan page. Lord have mercy. That's a lot of words. So um, and we don't turn anybody away because we don't have enough friends and we're desperate for friends. And so please join our fan page and fan it up. Fan it yes. And then if you shall want, if you should want, shall want some kilo vanilla. Oh, yeah. Which we hand make ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it's small, small batch vanilla that we make with these magic <laughs> vanilla beans from Ireland. We do. We get them right in from Ireland. Yes, we do. And some, some bourbon. There's bourbon in there because we're bourbon girls. Anywho, um, it's called kilo vanilla. And you just simply send us an email. Tell us how many bottles you want. We send you an invoice through PayPal. You pay it, and then we ship it to you. And then you have Kilo Vanilla, and then you can kill your all your recipes with Kilo Vanilla. It's magical. I know. Did you talk to them about our email? Not yet, oh. but I would like for you to. Oh. <laughs> Is that because you're going to be eating I'm cupcakes? getting ready to stuff this in my mouth. All right, so our email which we love to get, mm-hmm. is murder.sugarcoated at gmail.com. You can send us recipe ideas, mm. um, murders that you know about that you want us to do research on and talk about. Or just you can, tell us hi. You can send a message and say hi, love your show. Mm. Um, that would be great. So that's how you can email us. Yeah. 
And you can shout go onto whatever podcast listening platform that you le- that you listen to us on and leave a review and give us five stars. That would be really helpful. Yeah, and leave a nice review. Yeah. And then we'll have our link tree up for merchandise. You can get our some of our sweet shirts. How to support shirts. the show. Yep, you can get merchandise. You can buy us a coffee. But, yeah, we're it's summertime, so we're probably going to buy a bourbon. <laughs> just yeah, just telling you. Just saying, we're going to buy a bourbon. Um, what else? Yeah. That's uh, it. I, I know. Stay sweet and don't murder. Because if you kill people, we will talk about you. You damn tootin'. All right. All right, guys. Well, y'all have a good whatever. Week, weekend, day, night, morning. Love y'all. Bye. Take care now. Welcome back to the Jojatorium. It's the king with the boys. That's right. It's Matt. It's Adam. Two comedic co-hosts that talk about what they love. Beers, combat sports, pop culture, horror movies, and whatever else we want. So subscribe on your favorite podcast platform to catch new episodes dropping every Sunday morning. This has been Sugar Coated Murder Podcast. A deliciously entertaining true crime podcast. Like what you heard? You can always explore past episodes by visiting sugarcoatedpod.com. Don't forget to like our Facebook fan page and share with friends. Thanks for listening to Sugar Coated Murder Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.